Welcome to Productivity Mastery. Stoy here, a productivity and performance coach on a mission to help businesses and people get the most out of their time. On this podcast, I'll bring you exceptional performers and together unlock what it takes to perform at your highest level. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Would you you like to share with us a little bit about yourself, your story, your background? Who is Samantha Yarud? Oh, my gosh. Myself, my story, my background. How much time do you have? (laughs) Now, um, maybe in a nutshell, the way that I've been thinking about myself as of late is somebody who's constantly curious and loves to learn. Um, You know, I've been doing a lot of reflection around who I am, what drives me, and what kind of impact do I want to have on the world. And I was thinking back to, you know, early in my career when I worked as an executive search consultant, and I had an opportunity to go work for a not-for-profit called Hope Volleyball, and I loved that work. And what I loved about it was it was event management, marketing communications. Basically, we ran the world's, or the largest volleyball tournament in Southern Ontario with all of our proceeds going to charities. And what I really enjoyed about it was... Um, the opportunity to be able to connect people um, with charities to give back to their communities, but also have one hell of a good time. And and I was thinking about that quote that um, I get up every morning wanting to make a difference in the world, but also wanting to make one hell or wanting to have one hell of a good time, which sometimes makes it difficult <laughs> and prioritizing. And I'm like, that's so true. That's my life. Um, but since then, you know, for those of you that may or may not know, I ended up working at Starbucks through one of my volunteers at Hope Volleyball. And it was supposed to be a four-week contract at a time when I had started my own business, which totally fell apart, by the way, lost like pretty much everything, didn't know how I was going to pay bills. And um, he asked me for a four-week contract, which turned into 16 years. And if you'd asked me if I ever would have thought that I would be with an organization for 16 years. Um, Definitely would never have thought that. Um, But the reason I'm mentioning that is because when I look back at my career, and I, I, I had a really, really good time. I think Starbucks is an amazing organization. It was kind of my learning ground for a lot of philosophies on my life today. Um, but there was little nudges along the way. I went through a bit of this pattern where once I'd, I'd get a new job and I'd love it for about a year. Year two, I'd start to be like, eh, and I'd be like, do I stay? Do I go? And then year three, I'd go into a different position. And if I'd really stopped to listen to myself then, as well as previously when I was a recruiter, and ask myself, who am I and what do I really want? I might not have done the things that I did. Because I did the things that I should have done or that I thought you were supposed to do. Like, you know, continue to build your career, move the ladder, move around the world, all of these things. Um, And it's kind of brought me to this moment today where what I want to be and who I want to be is a little bit more mindful and more purpose-led. So by my own purpose, my own values. So I don't know if that answers your question but it's kind of in an I'm going to say an esoterical way or how I'm thinking about my life right now I'm curious to know more now <laughs> like the, the thing is I think a lot of people jump uh, after school after college you know you start on a job or you start your career journey and at some point in your career you start uh, reconnecting to your values and your purpose H- how did that happen to you and was it the was it the reason you decided to to leave the corporate world and to start on your own, you know, like. 
so I think I think a few things happened is so one I I think I just I constantly just kept into doing and achieving and if I really look hard at it there's a few things that I was trying to prove to myself but where I think the moment was when I really started to look at it differently I've always as I mentioned I've always been really curious I like to learn I like to take different courses and I'm very much an experiential based learner so I like to take programs where I get to learn hands-on and try different things um, I also love talking to people, as you know, and I learn a lot through different people and their perspectives because they'll share something with me and I'll be like, oh, I never thought of it that way before. Um, and, and I think I had always been kind of in the back of my head, of course, it passed my mind around, you know, what are my values and that type of thing. But it really struck me, and this would have been, I think, 2008. I was sitting at my desk in Amsterdam and it was between, it was right before the new year and there was three of us in the office and I was, you know, starting to prepare for the next year. And what typically would happen is every January we'd start the strategic planning process where we'd look at, you know, the business three to five years out. And then, you know, a few months later, we'd start to look at our annual operating plan and, you know, what the business was going to be for that coming year. And and I used to manage that process. So I was getting all of the documents organized in terms of timelines, you know, who needed to do what, et cetera. And I had this moment and it's like, huh, I do this every year for the business. I've never done this for myself. And then I started to think about, you know, working in branding and marketing, like how do you bring a brand to life? And the way you bring a brand to life is you have a clear mission, you have a clear vision, you have brand guardrails, you have brand characteristics. And I was like, it's really funny. We do this for corporations, but when do we ever stop to do it for ourselves? So I actually kind of mentioned this in passing to one of my colleagues who happened to be in the office. And it sparked a conversation between him, myself, and one other person who overheard our conversation. And I think that was the point that it really pushed me to start saying, I need to start looking at what it is that I want for my life. And rather than being on the bus to drive the bus. And, and I've actually since changed that analogy to something a friend of mine, um, Alex, shared with me, which is bang on, um, is about how can I be the captain of my own boat? And what he means by that, and I actually think is kind of where I'm growing to as well, is you might have a fleet of boats, which are your friends, your families, your jobs. You don't want them all on your boat. You want them each to have their own boat and you want to have a boat too. What you want to be doing is either sailing in the same direction or coming back together, but you want to make sure that you're the captain of your own ship. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of where the thinking started and where it is today. You know, I also love the, the boat metaphor because when you're in the water, you need to at some point accept that not everything is within your control. Like it's not so solid and stable. Like it might be stormy at times, right? You're still in your boat. You're still in control to some extent, but then again, you know, not 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 everything is within your control. And, then, and, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, go ahead. That, that's actually what we're gonna be. You know, one of the topics we're gonna be discovering today is the topic of the day is the, you know, the secret of navigating change. Uh, quite interesting and quite, uh, I think relevant in, in the situation we're in. Very, very solid, very certain times for everybody. So 
Um, I'm very curious. Now, by the way, those of you who are watching us right now, thank you for tuning in. Yes, thank you. Write us some the comments. Where do you watch us from? I'm in Sofia. Samantha is in Toronto right now. Uh, where do you watch us from? And if you have any questions to Samantha, uh, please uh, please send us a comment. We would like to take some questions. Uh, so, Sam, I'm curious to hear. Actually, we've been we've been in touch quite a bit in the past uh, few months. Uh, connecting, having conversations, uh, supporting each other, and I've been close to you to some extent. But I'm curious to to to, to hear how how was the experience, the whole experience for you with this pandemic hitting, and all of a sudden all the plans that we were having for 2020, <laughs> just like you know, how, how was the uh, you know the mental experience for you going through this, and and then reallocating your focus towards a more more productive place. So I'd say a few things on that. Um, first, I'm, I'm, my friend Michelle told me that, that she's finding this time like a snow globe. And I've, I've borrowed that and I've extended it a little bit in that I feel like sometimes somebody's picking up, you know, those snow globes from when you're a kid. And I feel like I'm, it's being, you know, my world's being <laughs> shook all around upside down. And sometimes, you know, when the snow's falling and you just look at it and you're in awe and it's so beautiful, there's moments that I have like that where like, wow, this is incredible. And then there's other moments where I'm like, it's just a snowstorm and I can't see anything through it. And then it all starts to settle. And then I think in those moments, good or bad, at some point it all settles. And through this change, and I actually have you to thank for this, and I've shared this story with a few people, is I don't know if you remember that first call that we all got together in March. And I literally, I'm going to be honest, I had to drag myself out of bed that day because I was just like, today is not a good day. <laughs> it really is not a good day. And to your point around 2020, like I had this vision for 2020 that this was going to be my year. I was going to do work that I loved. And like I was finally getting the work that I wanted to do. And it was all teed up to just be like the year. And there was so many other exciting moments that I was looking forward to. Then March hit. I lost basically all of my work a startup I'd been working with. Um, we had finally gotten money, but we had to pivot the business because we could no longer be in retail locations and we needed to move digital. Um, so my role was no longer needed. Um, all of my leadership development in-person work was obviously canceled. Um, and I was gonna have this ridiculous, but really fun April where I was gonna get to see you in Sofia as well as in, um, in uh, Turkey. I was going to Morocco for a friend's birthday. I was also speaking at a conference in Oman. Like it was going to be a really great month. I was doing a workshop on leadership development and tapping potential. And of course that all fell to the side. So there I am going, I have no money. I've been spending the last year and a half trying to get a business off of the ground. And I'm at the point where like, this was like my make it or break it time. And I guess it's going to be breaking it to pay bills and you know all of those stresses and i was really feeling really heavy around um why all of this was happening and i, I do want to say when this first happened i was actually really excited because i'm like woohoo i don't have to travel i travel a lot so being home was actually a really nice treat but i had this moment of just like the world felt so heavy um covid felt heavy it just I, I couldn't see through it. Like I literally could not see through it. And then I got on the call with you guys 
And I got off of that having had the opportunity to reframe and to think through things through a different perspective, to think about a vision where I wanted to go. And I thought at that moment, a few things. One, um, it wasn't why COVID was happening to me. It was how it was happening for me. And I spent the next few days just in a way better mind frame. And then I started to think about, well, if I'm feeling this way, how must other people be feeling? And through my struggles, um, I went back to something which I have a chalkboard in my kitchen that has my purpose laid out. It has my values. It has my guiding principles on how I want to live my life. And I started to use that as kind of, I'm going to call it my compass. Well, every day I'd go stand at it and look at it and say, okay, so, you know, how do I want to show up in this world? Who do I want to be? And how can I be true to those values and purpose? And that has really helped me in those moments that have been difficult to go, wait a second, is this on purpose? Does this align with my values? Am I living my values? If not, how can I? And through that, what ended up unlocking um, was I started to think about the fact that I have all of these tools and knowledge that I love to share. So what I ended up doing is I ended up creating a 10-week program um, for, you know, friends to participate. And, you know, we've talked about this before, about kind of building the plane as you fly or just, you know, making it happen. And I just literally posted it on Facebook for a friend's 50th birthday because her and I had kind of been talking about it. And I thought, for your birthday, I'm going to sit down and just flesh this out and let's launch it. And um, I, I saw some people say, yes, I'd be interested. And I was kind of hoping we, you know, get five or six. And then as we had five or six, I'm like, well, maybe 10. And then there was 30 people. And I was like, okay, we're on to something here. So I ran a 10-week program helping people discover themselves and to create their vision for their future. Um, and I also just did some other things that I experimented with sharing, like, the things that I'm passionate about. Um, so started to do, like, a cook-along where every Saturday night people came together and we would cook together. I would teach a recipe. And then it ended up becoming where other people joined and they would teach recipes. And it just became this really nice community that kind of helped us get through that time. Um, so, you know, when I'm thinking about like how to handle these times, I think the most important thing is to be true to yourself and make mm -hmm. sure you're living to your true values. I'm very curious to, to know something else you mentioned, um, Ask. you know, um, by the way, we have a couple of people, uh, all this from, from Riga, Latvia. Uh, Valerica is saying hi from Aarhus, Denmark. Hey guys, great to see you. If you have a question, make sure to post it in the comments. Um, I'm very curious because you know, you mentioned a couple of times this, you know, legendary call that we had at the beginning of, of the pandemic. And, um, I gotta say, for me, it was pretty much like you, everything got cancelled, all the plans, all the visions, and stuff. And I was like, I need to connect with some people on the same journey like me so yeah you know i just started reaching out to you guys like you scott james iskra all these wonderful people from different countries and i was super surprised because it was a saturday i think i started setting it up on monday we had 10 people on a call out of 12 people i reached out to i think everybody was trying to connect and and, and in many ways for me People are like sending me messages. Hey, man, thank you so much for setting it up. And I'm like, well, I'm as grateful as you are because I, I set it up for to help my own self as well because uh, I was going through the same thing. And I, I'm also curious to hear whether when you set up those 10-week program, 
was it also for you your own relief like you know like you're teaching people how to discover and explore but was it also for you your own way to but it's also because i love teaching and i think that was even two things is one it was something that i hadn't really thought about um i know that i like sharing knowledge and but then i realized through this process that yeah i, I love teaching and i love helping people like it's something i like being of service it's something that i really enjoy so to make sure that I have those elements in my life, I think is really important. Now, to tie it back to your topic of the productivity, the part that I am working on, and I say working on because I'm, I'm getting better at it, is being able to prioritize the right balance to make sure that I get to like the big rocks or those really big things. Because what I can sometimes have a tendency to do is try to do too much. Yeah. Very surprised. Very surprised. Yeah, shocked by that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can't Have you seen my wall? No, I'm joking. <laughs> also doing a master's right now. <laughs> yeah, since we're talking about the secret of navigating change, um, what I was thinking about as well is right now you are you're, you're finishing a master's in, in one of the leading uh, business schools in the world, right, in Seattle. Uh, so I'm curious if because your, your major, as as far as I know, is is Something about change management, right? It's actually, it's an executive master's of change. So it's focused on individuals and organizations and the psychodynamics around why they do or they don't change. Um, so that was another thing that I thought about too through all of this. I'm like, hey, wait a second. If anybody should be able to make it through this, it should be me. I have the tools. and and But that was also fascinating too, right? Is to understand like, huh, why am I not adapting to this? Or... And to really ask myself questions. Would you have any, any, you know, anything practical for people who are watching right now? Any, any specific tool that was helpful for you in these past three, four months? Yes, the ability to observe. And not necessarily observe others, but observe self. And I, it's one of those things, so I... I I have a few ideas on skills that are kind of or values that are needed for the future. And in order to, to I'm going to say, to navigate change, um, but to also be comfortable with it, is one, like if I look at the current situation that we're in, nobody has any idea where it's going to go. And it could, yeah, we have no idea. It, it could change within 24 hours. It could change within a few weeks. It could... You know, there's so many different scenarios. And I go back to um, years ago, I met this, um, he was a former NFL player by the name of Eric Bowles. And he gave me some really good advice. And he said, you know, athletes use visualization techniques to think about. And, you know, I think it's becoming more main practice and mainstream for people to do visualization. But when you can visualize different outcomes and you can visualize a positive outcome or you can visualize a negative income outcome. And when you go back to it, no matter what, when the moment arrives, it's never going to be the way you imagined it. But if you think about a positive outcome, you feel a lot better in the moment and leading up to that moment. And there's a few things that I think are important, but back to kind of those values or skills is I think one is because we don't know where the future is going to go is as long as we can look inside and look at ourselves and ask ourselves and get really curious about why we're feeling things, 
um, then I think that helps to know where we are in that moment and accept it. Um, but also I think it's really important to know your values and to know what drives you. And, and I think when you start to uncover that, then you can ask yourself the questions like, am I living up to my values? Um, where do values show up in my life? Um, how might they be different? Or how can I make sure I'm living up to those values? But then you can also get really curious around when they are or they aren't there. And that's what I've been trying to do is I've been trying to, as I'm feeling things, ask myself why. And then when I have an answer, I say, but why? And I just keep asking myself why to uncover what the real driver is. And then once I'm there, kind of the third piece is how do you reframe? So how do you, in that moment, take whatever that idea or that concept is that you have and reframe it and look at it from a different angle? And, and I think there's lots of ways that you can do that. Um, but I think those are really important things to be able to navigate change today and for the future. Because that way, you're the one who's in control. You're the captain of your own boat. It doesn't matter where the storm's going. You know, you're driving it and you're going to be okay. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful metaphor, a, a similar metaphor. I had a guest uh, uh, recently at the, at the live session of the podcast, uh, yeah. Natalie Nixon, the, the author of The Creativity Leap. Yeah. Uh, so basically what, uh, what she shared with me was this situation is um, you got to be buoyant. You have to be seeing yourself as the as the cork from the wine bottle. Like imagine you are in the river or you're in the water. You still want to get on top, but you got to accept that there's a whole bunch of stuff that is out of your control. Yeah, you can't change that. Uh, but, but then again, you want, you want to still be taking the most positive way of looking at it. It doesn't mean, hey, you know, there's no crisis, there's no pandemic, everything is fine and beautiful and this unicorn, like this is, this is delusion. It's about accepting what is and still trying to, as they say, look at the light at the end of the tunnel instead of uh, the obstacle. So I, I agree with that, mm -hmm. but I have a bit of a different perspective. And it's shifted, by the way, over, over time. And I think maybe that's where I'm very open about um, how I feel is I think it's really important to be aware of those moments where we're not positive and it's not okay. And I think we need to figure out a way to allow those to be. I don't think it's important to be positive all the time. So I, I do think it's important to allow, um, to recognize that the stuff that's happening around us, we can't control. I do think it's important to still want to keep afloat. So you still want to keep the, you know, the cork on the top, but recognize that sometimes there might be those moments of where it's tough, it's difficult. There's things that are happening that we don't like. And figuring out a way that we can fully integrate that. Um, you know, I've been doing with my master's, what I'm looking at is the process of um, individualization and how that relates to um, leaders who want to have a positive impact in the world. And what I think is fascinating is those of us that are able to understand what's called ourselves with a capital S, so it means we fully accept ourselves, are the ones who are able to navigate change better the ones who are able to affect change better and the ones who are able to lead more complex change. And part of it is understanding and recognizing that shadow side. So that darker side um, and dark isn't always bad, by the way, because, you know, and you talked about this earlier on around how you graduate from university, get your first job, you know, then you maybe get married, then you have kids like there's all these steps along the way. 
And we do this because we have this collective unconscious, which society tells us that we should do it. But we don't ask ourselves whether those are the things that we want. And what ends up happening, and, and I'm sure, have you ever had a moment where you've done something or you've acted a certain way and somebody has told you you shouldn't do that? Yeah. <laughs> it meant that, of course. Yeah. I've been told many times that my thinking differently, which I actually think is a beautiful thing, you know, in some environments I've been told that's a bad thing. And I've pushed that down. So that becomes part of your shadow side. So there's things that if we start to recognize that those elements that we've forgotten about, about ourselves, and we allow them to become truly integrated in all of us, um, then I, I believe that it helps us be more balanced and healthier and be more connected. Mm. So looking at exploring and observing and actually getting aware about those yeah. shadows. Exactly. Like ask yourself why, like, why am I feeling this way? What's happened? Is it something that's, you know, something that's happened to me externally? Is it something that's happening within me? Where does this come from? Um, and just really being really curious, even with yourself and trying not to hold attachment to it. Um, my one friend Aziz makes this comment all the time, especially, you know, when I'm in times of I'm, I'm feeling the feels and I'm definitely in the, let's call it in the recognizing that I'm not in a good place. And he always says to me, he's, Yarwood, you're allowed to visit Pity Town, but you're not allowed to build a house there and you're not allowed to stay. <laughs> you can go for vacation, but you're not allowed to move there. And I think it's so true. I and mean, we need to allow ourselves that. Um, and I, I think you also need to recognize, you know, when you want to keep that cork afloat, or what are those things that can help you do that while also allowing yourself the distance to observe? That's, I, I love this. Um, I've been following uh, in, the, in the last few years uh, Eckhart Tolle mm -hmm. and the major part of his teachings and philosophies to find these spacious relationships between yourself and your feelings emotions and thoughts yes. and to really understand in his perspective that you are not your emotions and you are not your thoughts you're not your feelings they're real you make them real but you also want to create some space in between and observe it without any judgment, which is really, really not easy. Really hard. Yeah. <laughs> really hard. Uh, but just uh, you know, sometimes just as you said, asking these kind of questions can 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 give you this little bit of space. Why am I feeling stressed? Oh, because uh, everything is uncertain. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know how to pay the rent. Like, okay, justify. Okay, that makes sense. Makes sense. Um, let me accept it. It's fine. I, I might be feeling like this. I might not be talking about productivity. I might not be a hundred percent productive going through transition and with all those uncertainties. Let me accept that I, I might not be at my optimal self. That's fine. Let me be in peace with the fact that this is what it is. Completely. And that's also where I'm changing kind of my perspective is what is our optimal selves? Because when you think about it, there's maybe it's your optimate self for that moment. Because life isn't linear, right? Like it's all over the map and it's more of a zigzag and craziness. Um, so in those moments, it's how can you be your best self in that moment? I love and it. Like how can you be your optimal self in that moment? Because I've almost been thinking about um, like the spectrum of productivity per se. Because maybe in that moment, all I have to give 
is one thing, yet maybe, you know, in another moment, I've got 200 things to give. And allowing myself that sometimes I just need space or I can't always be productive. Yes, or the most productive thing you can do one day could be to go for a walk and watch Netflix yeah. all day long. Completely. Completely. And I've noticed too where, because I tend to be really busy and to pack my schedule and try to do lots of things. But in those moments where there's space, that's when the thoughts pop up and that's when the creativity is there. And, um, you know, I'm really trying, a friend of mine's doing um, a research study right now on the relationship between body postures, um, mood, and kind of the mind, which is fascinating. So if you try different poses, you know, does that affect like how you're feeling? And, you know, what are you doing in this moment? And it's made me really conscious of the fact that most of the time I'm like, oh, I'm at my desk again. Oh, I'm, and and what it's bringing is like awareness around, okay, I need to get up and move. I need to go do some yoga poses on my back deck, or I need to go for a walk down to the beach. Um, and, you know, taking that time to think. It's actually funny that you bring up the whole um, wine bottle. Probably shouldn't be admitting this, but I actually wrote down some visions and some things that I wanted to happen through COVID and put it in a bottle and then threw it into the lake. Okay, okay. I know that's, that's totally I, that's totally littering, and I never litter. But um, it it's just one. It's just bottle. one bottle. It's just one bottle. It's not. It's not a regular yeah. bottle throwing. So, you know, the thing that you say about body posture is is really interesting. I I experienced it for the first time probably around ten years ago when I was graduating, um, maybe twelve years actually, graduating in Bulgaria my bachelor's degree in finance and i attended this course uh which was a combination really beautiful course it's called uh, the system of norbekov was a guy from uzbekistan mm. so we had to go for 10 days to this course four hours a day every evening and the condition attending the course that the, the teacher set up for us was you need to be standing straight, like you're holding a nut yeah. in the back of your thing, like a, like a power pose, and you need to be smiling for four hours every day. <laughs> you need to be like 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 this for four hours, like. And if you, somebody stops smiling, the teacher comes and says, <laughs> and, and and then you at the first day is like, what what is this? What the f is this thing? <laughs> Where am I? But. After the first day, you're like, wow, I'm so much more happy. Is that it's where you insane. get this from? <laughs> is, that, is that what influenced you? A lot. A lot. This was, this is, uh, because you can read something and it can impact you, but when you experience something, this was the, for me, the, the game changer in terms of prioritizing my personal development. Mm. Uh, understanding because it's it's all it's all science, right? It's biochemistry. Like you, you start smiling, your body starts producing some certain chemicals. I'm not a scientist in that area, so I don't know what exactly it is, but but it works. It works, and just shifting your state completely. And it's it's science and energy. Like, and I, I'm really really curious about this right now. Um, and Anne just made a comment about: Have you noticed that it's hard to be in a bad mood when you whistle? 
and I I haven't tried that before. I will definitely try that. Um, usually I sing. That's actually a good indication for me when I know that I'm in a good mood or when I'm happy is I'll sing to myself. Um, but um, what was I saying before? I totally lost my train of thought by the whistling. Um, yes, Anne, thank you so much for this. I know, thank you. I'm like, Anne, you just <laughs> just, just before you, you find your thoughts, your, your train of thought, um, I, I did once, actually a couple of times, went to this Tony Robbins uh, Unleash the Power Within event. Yeah. And, and there was this guy, um, Joseph, what's his name? Uh, his main coach that's also leading the program, uh, jo Joseph McClendon. Joseph McClendon. And he... He has this thing he, he 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 calls he invented the world a word that's called attitude. <laughs> so basically, what he he asks you to do is to stand up, put a big smile, and start moving your ass back and forth. Yeah, and then he's like, now now try to be unhappy, try to be. He <laughs> 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 can't do that. So he calls it attitude. So I, I, and it's it's so true. Like whether you whistle or you move your ass like to something else, it's about breaking the pattern of of your brain at this very moment. Because you know, yeah, right? oh, that's what I was going to say. And also to me, it's there's an element of energy there. Because we're all energy, right? At the end of the day, we're all atoms and molecules. And again, I'm not a scientist, but my head goes to, okay, if we're all created of the same thing, we're all creative matter, then if I have a certain energy, you can feel it and vice versa. So when we have that positive energy, it's catching. Like, have you ever walked down the street and somebody smiles at you and you're like in a bad mood and, you know, their smile back just is like, oh, but you know, that kind of changed my day. Like there was yesterday, I went for a walk and this lovely gentleman, I think he must've just been bored of being in his house, but he'd come out to sit on the corner and was getting up and walking people across the street. And this is a man that's in this walker and, you know, he barely would make it even a part way across the street before you're probably already, you know, you'd walked the rest of the way, but he just wanted to be there to greet you and wish you a nice day. And it was just such a nice moment. Like it's heartwarming, but also his smile is contagious. We're all, I'm going to smile back and that automatically, you know, changes my perspective. It's a really good book uh, that there was a question Tim Ferriss loves to ask, which is what is the, what is the book that you gifted most? And this is probably the book that I personally gifted most. It's called The Noticer by Andy Andrews. And it's a book about perspective. It's a very light book, you know. You can just read it for a couple of days. Um, and it's about this old guy that just will show up in a situation when people need a perspective. And he will shift the perspective. So do you know what's funny? I love that. I'm going to look that up. I haven't read that one. Um, the book that I give the most is actually The Guest Next Week, which is Creative Superpowers, which is Scott Morrison's book. I love it. I like Scott Morrison, ladies yep. and gentlemen, Scott Morrison, our good friend, a rock star, <laughs> the boom, Scott the boom. <laughs> totally. His, his book, Creative Superpowers, is one of the best books that I've read. Um, what, I love what, it. What do you love, what do you love the, about it? I like, really like, love? so there's, it's, it's interesting. So if I look at the, my two books that are my go-to recommends, um, they, they're similar in some ways. I like there's an element of storytelling in it that it's broken into, you know, teacher, hacker, maker, thief. Um, but and that it's bringing in different perspectives and it showcases different stories. Because I don't think there's one way of doing things. I think there's lots of ways of doing things. And what I love about the book is that it really kind of demonstrates that 
you know, when we kind of, again, tap into ourselves and what's unique about us and what we can offer the world, um, there's lots of ways it might manifest, but we're still able to deliver that. Um, and I like the fact that it's like short stories and it's an insight into people's minds that you wouldn't otherwise get an insight into. And it's helped me think differently. Like there's some things where I'm like, wow, I never would have thought of that. Um, so that's what I've really enjoyed about it. Wow. Okay. I actually haven't read it yet. I, oh, you it's said on my list. It's really good. <laughs> it's really sorry, good. Scott. Sorry, Scott. I'm, I'm going to go order it today. I, uh, creative superpowers, guys. Go check it out. Uh, Scott Morrison and, and a bunch of other cool people. Um, Sam, and then if you have, I was going to say, and if you ever want another good book, and it's totally different, um, but Hostage at the Table. It's all about relationships and how to handle specifically business relationships, but a lot can be applied to your personal life as well. It's written by a former hostage negotiator. And what I like about the structure that he has is he tells like a kind of a theme or a story for each chapter, but he gives you exercises to try at the end of it. And that really helps me too, to kind of realize, you know, what's mine, what's other people's, um, you know, just, and to not be kind of a hostage of relationships or situations. Mm. Great book. I actually love you mentioned the word relationships because that's something I want to, I want to also explore. Uh, one thing that I admire you for, and I admire you for many, many things. Um, you're my, one of my favorite people, as you know, um, uh, but one thing that I find fascinating is, is your ability to connect people and to bring really cool people together. Is that, is that a natural for you or is that something you learn on the way? And uh, like... I think it's, it's totally natural. And it's interesting that you ask that and mention that. Um, do you ever, okay. What is it, something about you that when people ask you about how you do it, you just go, well, duh, everybody does that. The same thing? Yeah. <laughs> and it's so it's kind of your superpower, right? Where you're like, you've never stopped to, to be honest. I never really thought of it. I'm like, doesn't everybody do that? Like, doesn't everybody talk to people, ask them questions, genuinely be curious? <laughs> um, you know, like most of the time I'm having a conversation with somebody, not because there's you know, any benefit in it other than I'm just really curious about them. I'd like to know more. I'd like to learn more. And that's also how I learn. Um, but it's, it's interesting that you asked me that because I had a moment the other day where I thought I knew my purpose. So I'm pretty clear that my purpose is to be a catalyst or a tool for change to reimagine the possible and have a positive impact on the world. Um, and that can manifest in several ways from helping individuals kind of tap into their potential um, and to reframe the possible to helping organizations or industries do the same. So to disrupt industries and to change them and to think about not just being about profit, but being about people and planet. But then I was talking to somebody um, and he, and it was really interesting because I was kind of surprised. I asked him if he had a purpose and he said to me, yes, I do. And to be honest, if you, this, I, I really appreciate this guy and I love my conversations with him, but he's not somebody that I would have ever thought in a million years had thought about his purpose. And his purpose was simply to bring people together. And I had a moment, I went, oh, maybe that's mine. And maybe mm. I've been looking for this grand purpose, but maybe it's as simple as to bring people together 
because I love it when I can connect people that can help each other or something gets created between them meeting each other and knowing each other. And I think, yeah, maybe that's it. Wow. It's that simple. And, and now that I'm just reflecting on what you said, the second one is so much more real. Yeah. You know, like to be the catalyst of, okay, cool, but it's like, this is so much more simple and digestible. Everybody can get it. You know, it's, you can you can understand it. Yeah. Oh, that's Sam. That sounds like Sam. She does that. <laughs> you know, and she loves it. And she's making a difference with it. Wow, that's uh, I'll, I'll reflect on that. I might steal it as well. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're already living it. Exactly. Yeah. We don't need to have it. It's, we live it every day. But then the question becomes, how do you use that for, let's say, good? How do you turn that into not just being a power, but really, truly a superpower? And I, I think there's there's not a dimension in it. To turn something into super, truly a superpower, it also has to be somehow sustainable. Mm. So, so, I mean, you cannot just be, you know, doing good and, you need to monetize it. Like we live in this this world that uh, when you're providing a lot of value, you need to find a way. How can I turn my passion into into something that I make a huge impact by by also uh, being monetarily compensated, right? I know, but what if we didn't? And that's probably a whole other coffee conversation. <laughs> but I mean, I think one of the biggest questions that I have is, and, I, I'm, and by the way, don't get me wrong. I like making money. I love my lifestyle. Um, but at the same time, I, I find it really interesting the amount of value that we put on financial gain and reward. And I totally understand logically why. But when I think about things like the ability to connect people or the ability, like just how you can interact and treat each other, I almost feel like that human capital is more important, yet we don't place as much value on it. Yeah, and I think just to tap in here, I think it's it's really also about understanding yourself. What is your yeah. natural tendency? Because for me, the natural tendency is I just want to do good. I want to bring people together. I want to. I want to. So, so for me, I had to learn that I need to, you know, to to prize myself and to uh, to. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's it's really about self awareness. I think. I totally um, agree with you. And it's finding that right balance because it's something that I struggle with all the time. It's, uh, do you know the concept of polarities? Um, so go ahead. Maybe. There's, there's two sides to everything. And neither one is good or bad. Um, it just is. And if you can figure out, if you can figure out, you know, how to harness your polarities, then you can actually move kind of your energy up because your polarities are always going to be there. So if you can figure out a way to tap into them, it's kind of like this circular, this infinity loop. So if you can figure out a way to tap into them and use them and make your downturns shorter, then you can kind of push your energy up. Um, but on that, I mean, one thing that I have a polarity with is to, similar to you, the desire to connect people and do good versus the desire to, you know, earn a living and be able to like sustain myself and have a nice house and travel and all of those wonderful things. So it's this constant kind of, I'm going to say battle. Um, but I think there's a way that we can do both. Yeah. And actually, can you like, 
when you said, do you know about polarity? Like, do you refer to the yin and yang kind of thing? Or like, is there something that we can read and people who yeah, are watching can go and tap into? Oh, completely. There's um, there's a video that I can share with you, as well as there's um, there's definitely some pieces of literature on that from like Esalon. Um, there's you can look. There's a polarities exercise that you can actually do, so you can identify your different quadrants. So you can see, you know, at what times you're spending in the different quadrants. And it's not again, it's not about good or bad. It's just about observing. Um, so for one of my other polarities is being and doing. Because I love to just be, but I also really love to do. <laughs> and that's this constant battle of being and doing. Um, there's, yeah, there's I, where, a lot where, of where are, Which side is, is, is more natural for you if mm. you are? My left is my being and my right is my doing. Mm. Yeah. But it's just, again, it's just identifying these things. And, um, you know, back to our earlier conversation around asking yourself why. It's the more that we kind of question ourselves and understand ourselves, we can accept ourselves. And, and it's really hard, I think, sometimes to not have judgment, but to really try to look at it as not as good or bad. It just is. And it, typically everything that we do or we think or we say comes from a place of, um, I'm going to say, I, I believe that most people, it comes from a place of genuine good at some point in time like at some point in time some sort of behavior has served us and that might have taught us different ways of doing things and that's why we continue to do them but if you can ask yourself those questions you might see that some things you don't need any longer how big of a part do you think play our beliefs oh we're you mean like in terms of biases and beliefs? Huge. Every day they do. Those are our decision-making filters. Like that is actually one of the, so a quick exercise if you ever want to do it to either reframe things or think about them from a different perspective is to look at something that you either want to achieve or that you're struggling with. And then to look at what are the core beliefs that are supporting that. So, um, and then once you look at the core beliefs, what you can do is look at how do you reframe them? So there's actually a really simple exercise to this. I think it's like four or five steps. The first step is you identify either the problem or what you're trying to solve. The second step is you look at the supporting beliefs or limiting beliefs. Then what you do is you start to look like, look at what would the opposite of that be? And what would the opposite of those beliefs be? And then the next step is using those new beliefs, you reframe the position or the way that you're looking at it. Um, and that can work on a personal or a professional level. Um, I've done this exercise a few times with people and uh, you know, there's a great example of, there was one woman in particular who was struggling with her team and she had the belief that she had a good team but her team wasn't liked by the rest of the organization and wasn't being used in the right way. And when we started to tap into why she had those beliefs, um, like her, I'm going to say her, her beliefs that were supporting that were things like, um, people don't ask us for help. Um, I've received negative feedback. And then when we went through the exercise of, you know, if you were to do the opposite of that, what would that look like? 
And she was like, well, instead of people not asking for help, people are coming to us. Like they seek us out because we're seen as the experts and really, and thought partners. Um, and when you start to reframe that, you know, it creates a different perspective where it was no longer that her team, you know, wasn't liked or perceived by the organization. It became like her team was like the go-to team in the organization. Like everybody wanted to not only ask for their help, but be part of their team. And just even seeing her team in a different perspective um, really changed her approach, but also it changed their energy too. And you can do it for yourself. I have a friend of mine who um, looked at it from the perspective of ageism because he was feeling like he's older in the, you know, and he's towards like he's in his 60s, but, you know, still has a lot of value to offer. And he reframed it from being that, you know, struggling with technology and, um, you know, not being of need, but he reframed it into more of a perspective around um, his years of experience and expertise actually allow him to help people through different transition periods. And I can't remember his exact wording, but there's, you know, it's a quick and simple tool that you can use to just kind of reposition things. So those beliefs, I think, play a really big role in our lives. However, I do think you can change them. I agree. I agree. And I think, I think just, just starting the process, like sometimes they don't teach you at school, hey, you have to reconsider your beliefs and stuff like that's something like you need to find on your own. And and the moment you say, hey, let me let me make a check. Are the beliefs that I'm having right now supporting me, as you said? Are they limiting me to to be where I want to be, to do what I want to do, and so on and so forth? So if I believe I, I suck at being a productivity coach, how do you think I'm going to be with my clients? Even if I'm really good, even if I have all the skills, as opposed to if I believe I'm a freaking rockstar, world-class productivity coach. I mean, my, my actions are going to be different. The kind of clients I attract are going to be different. My confidence is going to be different. Everything around me is going to be different. If And it all comes with, with, with our beliefs. And I do believe uh, they can be changed. And I think I think uh, one thing that has been working for me to to really you know grab them by the roots and to to turn them around to shift them is uh, I think experience and progress uh, and and really appreciating the, the the progress in a certain area is really helpful for you to internalize these new more empowering beliefs, right? Completely. Um, yeah, so everybody who's, who's watching right now, maybe it's a, it's a good time now to, to sit down at home, maybe to try this exercise that Sam just uh, recommended and try to see, you know, what is what is a goal that you want to achieve? Or maybe what was a goal that you you did not manage to achieve, even though you really wanted to for the past few years, something that you always, uh, you know, not, not managing to achieve? And and what are the what are supporting beliefs around it? Are these, these beliefs... Um, you know, empowering or are they limiting you to, to be where you want to be? And I think just on that, and I've mentioned this to you before, if you Google immunity to change, um, there's, um, I think, was it Keegan and Lakey? Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, but there's some individuals who've looked at um, why we don't achieve our goals. And it's all about hidden competing priorities which kind of ties into um, COVID in some ways, because it's all about the immunity that we have to actually change. So we basically, in our beliefs and in our unconscious, we reject some things that we try to do. Like it's something like 90%, which I think is fascinating, 90% of people actually don't achieve their goals. 
Now, I don't, I, that might not be the exact number, but I also think it's kind of interesting because when you look at startups, like 90% of startups don't succeed. And then when you look at organizations, 90% of organizational transformation and changes don't succeed either. <laughs> so there's really something in there. Why aren't we able to, you know, we have this, we have this belief that we should be able to accomplish everything. Yet meanwhile, there's a track record to say that that's actually not true. So what are those things that we can do to change that? And immunity to change is like, I think it's five questions you ask yourself. Um, one is around, you know, what is it that you're trying to achieve? Um, what is stopping you from being able to achieve that? Uh, the next one is to really understand um, what are like, what are those worries that you have? Like, what are those behaviors that you have in your life that are going to support you not changing and also going against you to change? Um, and then understanding just what are those competing priorities you have? Like, as an example, um, one of the reasons that I like to do a lot is because I'm committed to making it big and I'm committed to being successful and I'm committed to living the best life that I possibly can. So that also means on the other side of that, so the polarity of it is um, I might do too much because I'm afraid of missing out and I don't want to miss out on that one big opportunity, right? Like I totally don't. Um, but then you go a little step further, but then you also uncover like, well, why is it that you feel that way? Why are you committed to making it big? Why is it that you do too much? And what's the real fear behind that? that? Um, and for me, part of it is, I think because I do a lot, sometimes that's what makes me interesting. And I'm worried that if I don't do it all, then I'm not going to be as interesting. And if I'm not as interesting, then maybe people won't like me as much. And if people don't like me as much, then I'll never, I'll never find true love and just all of these crazy things. But the important part of it is once you identify that, then what you can start doing is what are called small tests. Because to your point around the cognitive brain is you can actually rewire your brain, but those beliefs are always going down the same pathway. So you actually have to do like small tests to prove your brain wrong. Um, so then you can identify things like, okay, if I don't do too much, and if I have a lot of space and time, just focus it on spending with people, am I still liked? Or, you know, finding other people that do that. And there's things that you can create to kind of test your theories so you can rewire your brain and then achieve the goals. So that's something else to think about. Yes, and I think visualization has been, you know, also something that's scientifically been proven, but I personally can say it's been working for me when I want to shift the perspective, shift the belief, shift the story that I keep on telling myself just by the simple thought of, um, you know, this exercise where you you might have a really challenging day, let's say, right, like ahead of you. A lot of meetings, a lot of uh, certain things you want to achieve. And basically the exercise is you, you sit down in the morning, you maybe get your morning coffee, you close your eyes, you listen to some beautiful music and you just go through your day as such as, it's been the best day possible. Everything you wanted just happened. You were in the best mood. You achieved the results. You just, you just imagine yes. all this thing is already being given to you. Yeah. What does that look and, like? Yeah. You just go through your day. Everything goes perfectly well. And and you just why like this? This is this is what it is. Like they say, your brain cannot make a huge difference between reality and, and imaginary in, in some ways. That's why when you watch uh, movies, right, you're just watching 24 
pictures being screened in a really fast pace, but your brain perceives it as a movie and, and you start crying on like looking at pictures. Like doesn't make sense, right? But your brain doesn't know. Your brain thinks this is real. And it, the same thing is if, if now you think about uh, a lemon, right? And then you, you, you cut the lemon and then you, you look at the lemon and you, you put the lemon in your mouth and then you start, you know, biting the lemon. And your mouth might already be having some 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 things going on, right? But this is because we we cannot the 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 most probably the craziest example I've heard was from a from a speaker, um, the same this the same guy Norvekov that I mentioned previously. Uh, he was uh, having a huge stage, and I think it was a presentation about personal growth, and at some point. Um, I think he wanted to get people to buy into why visualization is so so important, and and he uh, he would ask a question: How many people here never masturbated? Like the whole room, who here never masturbated? Everybody's just looking around, you know. <laughs> He's like, okay, we have a whole room, a whole room of uh, masturbators here. Fantastic. That's what we're gonna do right now. We're going to visualize our goals, and we're going to achieve the result. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's a very visual example, I guess. But, you know, the thing is, it, it's true. Our brain does, doesn't know the difference. So, so no. this is why it's important. And this is, you know, I, I see we're getting close to 60 minutes right now. I hope you have the time, Sam. Um, but the, the last thing that uh, kind of I want to dig into is more, um, we talk about this wire in your mind and program your mind into the, the right uh stay the right uh, energy and so on what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis what are your so to say productivity habits things that you do that uh, help you to stay at the top of your game so i think there's two things and i kind of want to bring this together in terms of the secrets to navigating change as well as daily practice um is one you know to go back to that methodology of or that analogy of um the boat and being the captain of your boat you're going to be a captain of your boat and think back to way back when explorers of the world they had a compass and they used their compass to know where to set sail but most of them didn't have compasses at that point in time they had to use the stars they had their northern star so figuring out what your northern star is i think is really important is figuring out your even your values your passion your strengths who you are but then also treating the rest of your life like an explorer is one have a vision for where you want to go you know people set out sail for that new world and wanting to discover that new world. So they had a clear vision. But then along the way, lots of things happened. And knowing where they wanted to go and keep checking in on that helped them actually get there, regardless of whether they got to the place they thought they would or not. They didn't know, but they still got there. But they were also constantly curious. And they were really explorers. And I think it's really important for us to treat ourselves like explorers and be curious and ask ourselves questions. Like we're learning things about ourselves for the first time. Like we're learning things about others for the first time. And, and I think that then also ties into kind of daily practices. And the last part I'm gonna say about that too is to reframe. So when you start to discover things, realize that some things don't may not work anymore. You might have to change things differently. So continuously reframe. Change that it doesn't always have to be the exact same direction. Have that ability to know that I know my vision, but I can reframe this or approach it from a different perspective. And then daily what I try and do is I wake up, you know, in the morning and the first thing that I do is I meditate before I do anything else. 
Um, and I set an intention for the day. But what I try to do, and I'm not always good at this, by the way, but what I do try to think about is where do I want my life to be six months, a year, three years? And what are those things that I need to do on a daily basis to get there? So one of the things that I try to do, I used to do it always around my birthday. This year I did it um, over New Year's as I looked at, okay, what do I want out of the next like year, three years, five years? And not necessarily exact things, by the way, but maybe feelings, emotions, and having a vision. And then what are those things that I need to do differently in the next year on a quarterly basis, monthly basis, and bring that down on a daily basis? Um, so for me right now, what I'm trying to do is every day wake up and I meditate and then I think about how do I want that day to be? What do I want to unfold? And how is that going to you know, work towards how I want to feel, how I want to be, what I want to achieve for the week? And then what I do after that um, is you know, get up, get showered, always get dressed. And I always get dressed nicely, by the way. So even during all of this, I've made sure that I've continued to like put on a dress in the morning or like to feel good. Um, and then I've started a new practice of um, doing yoga on my back deck every morning just to stretch and just to feel my body and to kind of connect with myself. Um, but also it just it starts my day off on a really positive note. Um, so those are some practices and then making sure that and I've noticed this has been really effective, but every few hours at least, I know I should probably do it every hour, but I'm not quite there yet, but every few hours, um, making sure that I get up and I walk around and I move and I stretch um, and that I'm fulfilling my target of, you know, I try to walk 10,000 steps a day, but just to get outside and to get outside in nature and to like see the water, smell the flowers, um, hear the leaves rustle. Um, so for me, those are some really important things. Um, but also one thing that I do try and do is every week at the beginning of the week, be really clear on what are the things I want to achieve this week and what's most important to me. Thanks, Sam. Thank you so much for sharing all this. I'm, I've been reflecting already and, you know, probably will borrow some of those things that, you know, lately haven't been doing. Uh, so uh... also just on that, Stoyan, don't beat ourselves up when we don't do it it's okay. Like it really is. And I think sometimes we are so tough on ourselves and it's like, well, wait a second. You know what? Okay. So I didn't meditate yesterday, but for the last 360 days I did, or, you know, whatever it is where maybe it's like, yeah, you know what? I got up and I moved three times this week. And you know, what did I learn from that? Why didn't I, what do I need to do differently? And also sometimes it's okay just to not to do anything. <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. As long as, yeah. as long as as long as you're not just uh, using this excuse and you don't do anything old ever, no, right? Like absolutely. so, so that's that's the, the opposite extreme. And I, I gotta say, guys, for me, getting my habits in place is the biggest productivity thing. Mm. Like just meditation, drinking water, eating well, especially sleep, yes. taking good care of my sleep. All these small things, seemingly are the things that keep me at the, my, my optimal state of energy and, and I'm able to, to handle anything that's in front of me. So, so habits are huge. There's so much research about habits. I, I was reading something lately that 40% um, of the things that we do are habitual. Yeah. So we don't, we don't actually take decisions. It's just what your, your brain automizes those things. So, so, so it's saving energy. And to build on that, 80% of what we actually do, our unconscious decides for us. Only 20% 
of our thoughts and decisions are conscious. The rest is actually in our unconscious. Um, but to build on your habit thing, I think what's really critical to that, and I think we talked about this uh, when we were talking about writing books a few weeks ago, is figure out what works for you. Because I think we spend a lot of time looking at other people, and I think we can learn from other people, but we aren't other people. All of our bodies are genetically different, our energy is different, scientifically we're different, and we try to be other people a lot of times where those might not be the things that actually work for us. So try to understand yourself. Notice to your point, when does your energy feel its best? Like for me, it's I need eight hours sleep. I need to drink water. Um, I need to be around people. I need I need new thoughts. You know, and if, if you start to learn those things about yourself, you'll know it will work for you. Like I know, like going for a walk, I absolutely love going for a run. Eh, I've tried to do it and I hate it. So it's just about you know trying to think about how you can bring in your own practices and truly your own. But it is I think those habits are important. I think it's a great point because I've been, you know, several years ago on this kind of journey of like, uh, you got to wake up at 5 a.m. You got to do, yeah, maybe, maybe these are all good ideas. But at the end of the day, you, 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 Sam, do you want to take a final question? We just got a sure, question coming in. Oh, let's bring it on. All right. Elena Ivanova is asking us, asking you, and no one's saying that if you're starting a new business only for making money, it is not going to be successful. What do you think about that? So a few things. Let's unpack that is if you're starting a new business only for making money, it's not going to be successful. You have to define what is successful. Um, because I know a lot of businesses that were created and are successful and they were purely based off of having a really great product and they knew there was an opportunity to make money. Now, if you're thinking about um, starting a business just purely to make money that you want to have people engaged and you want it to grow and scale, I do think there needs to be some sort of element of purpose. And, and let me be very specific about purpose. I don't think purpose necessarily has to be this grand impact on the world, but I do think the people that work there need to have some sort of collective vision, that there's something that they're trying to achieve together. And I've just recently interviewed 35 leaders from, you know, organizations around the world that have had massive impact up to like 400,000 people. And I would say the one common element is when you're able to tap into the collective um, and everybody feels like they're a part of something bigger. It's not about a leader dictating. It's about people feeling that they're part of something and they're part of something bigger. Then there's more ability to scale and have movement and to affect change. So I think that's really important when you talk about a business. So what I would say to that is if you're starting a business, you want it to be profitable. Why wouldn't you? But I am going to say that if you're starting a business, it's a lot of hard work. And I mean a lot of hard work. There is no silver bullet to come up with an idea and make millions of dollars. There just isn't. And I don't care who tells you that they've done it. I'm going to say it's bullshit um, because there was probably a lot of failures along the way. And I think that you need to have something that drives you outside of the money piece, because if it's only the money piece, you're going to give up when things are hard. Absolutely agree, Sam. Actually, absolutely agree. There's many companies built solely on um, you know, making money, and they actually they do well. many companies that they, they do well. There's no problem with that. Uh, probabilities, is it going to be easier? I, you know, we can, we can argue that. You can see the facts, but, but the truth is, 
again, why, why do you wake up in the you know in the morning? Is it to make money? What, what, what do you want to do? And, and, and how do you want to spend your life? How do you want to spend your life? And and even if when you have these difficult periods, I, I love what you said about uh, you know there's there's this um, billionaires and super successful people, and then then come out and they're like, you know, it's really important to find your work-life balance, and you know, like, dude, now you're 20 years in the game. Everything yeah. is like you've been hustling so much that now you want to be in peace and stuff. But let's be honest, the first few years you need to put up the work. You need to put like so. Of course, you want to take care of your well-being, but you also have to accept that it's going to be really freaking hard if you wanna if you're any high. So so let's not um, you know. But yeah, and let let me give you another example on that. One of the reasons that maybe I have ideas on how to navigate change is I have been through, oh my gosh, like, okay, I was trying to think about how many different leaders I worked for. And let me put it to you this way. At one point in time within the three-year period, I had five different presidents. So that's a lot of change. Um, I have been through three massive business transformations, like to the point where books have been written on the business transformations. Um, I have lost jobs. I have started businesses that haven't worked. Um, I've had my life fall apart in different ways, um, you know, personally, romantically, financially, you name it. So it's easy for me to say, hey, these are the things that you need to do because I've had to figure that out for myself. I've had to look at what's worked for me because there's been failures along the way. And and I think anybody who says that, hey, I did this and look at everything I achieved, that they did. But what they're not telling you is all of the things along the way that they learned that they had to adapt and edit to get there. Like, so... I think if you start a business, start it definitely with the intent of it being profitable, but you can't have that be your only driver unless, and I'm going to say unless, your driver to have that money is to somehow personally benefit you or your family so there's more of a personal motivation. Because if it's only about the money piece, and I'm talking from experience, you can be making a bucket load of money and you're just like, this is the best thing ever. But then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're just like... I don't want to do this. This isn't fun. And then in those moments where it gets tough, you're like, I don't really care about money. So I'm not going to be able to motivate myself. Exactly. And, you know, generally, I, I mean, a hundred percent agree with you, Sam, actually the, the book that I'm finishing right now, yeah, perform the, the unsexy truth about startup success. It, basically the whole frame is around, Hey, let's, let's figure out our values. Let's figure out the purpose. Let's, attract people who can connect to those same things. Obviously we need to have the skills, but the necessary conditions we need to, we need to be aligned around the same values and we need to have something bigger than the profit that will drive us. You know, it's, uh, it's super, super important. And, and especially when you start scaling the company, if you don't have these fundamentals in place, then it's, it's so difficult. Like, okay, let's bring 20 new people now. Like we have 15 lists, you know, we need to scale now, but there's no base, there's no fundamental. So how do we actually create this culture and, and scale it forward? So it's and, difficult. And yeah, and I'm curious on that because one of the things that I've been kind of thinking about, and I don't know if you, is do you, do you need to have people that are based around the same values or people that are based around the same purpose? And the reason I ask that is because mm -hmm. I actually think values can bring a lot of diversity. And maybe there needs to be some sort of centering belief 
Yeah, I, I, I think I, I see where you come from. Yeah, uh, I, I think new people can bring in values that are complementing or they, they can enrich the culture. But if somebody believes, you know, if they're contradicting values, I somebody agree. believes, you know what I mean? Like a, yeah. um, integrity is really important. But then for somebody, we need to do the sale, even if we have to lie to the customer, then we, you know, it's a... Uh, um, that's the kind of people you want to bring in, right? Completely. I could I could do a whole other conversation on this because I think we should do yeah. a, a part two, Sam. No matter totally. what. Totally. Let's do, do it. We, Let's do it. we should do that. Maybe we should do something around values and see if Adrian can join us. Yeah. 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 Because actually, maybe Adrian, Mike, and I did a talk last year at fifteen seconds on values and how those manifest in organizations. And Adrian's been doing a lot more research on that. But one That'd of the things amazing. I'm curious about, and I'm just literally thinking of this in the moment. But to your point around values is, um, so one of the things that um, I've been studying is cultural differences. And most of the time, when there's bigger cultural distance differences, it's easier to understand. When cultures are very similar, those little nuances are actually the things that cause the, cause the most friction. And when you were talking about values, it reminded me of a situation that I had with a colleague. And um, we did not work well together at all. And at some point we did end up sitting down and talking to each other and the way that we had our conversation was around our values. And what was interesting is him and I had the exact same five values, exact same. But my number one was his number five and his number five was my number one. So what was interesting about that is my number one value is accountability and responsibility. So I take responsibility and accountability for all of my actions. My number five is family and friends. His number one was family and friends, and his number five was accountability and responsibility. So what was driving him more was at the end of the day, if we had to work on a project, I would stay until that project was done, and he would go home. And it used to drive me crazy because there would be certain things that we had to get done. And I'm like, dude, we've got, like, stores to open. Like, you can't go home. Um, and anyways, and he was his priority was always to put his family and his friends first. But it was – so we when we ended up having this conversation, we just came from a different place. But – I think values could be a very interesting topic to explore. That's beautiful what you're Hilarious saying. Values so, and values. Those of you who are watching, like maybe, maybe also this is a really good conversation for your team. Maybe we have the same values, but do we prioritize them the same way? Which one is on top? Which one is down? And I think the second part of it is the what are the behaviors supplementing these values? Because yeah. you know, we, are we aligned around those? Like if I say. If we both of us think accountability is really high up, but what does that mean to you? What does it mean to me? How do we act? You know, those. I think uh, I'm reading a book right now, which is uh, called. Uh, I think it's. Um, I'm just gonna tell you now. What you do is who you are, by Ben Horowitz. Nice. And, and he he kind of actually uses the he likes to use the word virtues because virtues for him means that you're acting upon them. It's not just something that's on the paper or something. Completely. Um, and I think a really good, just to that point, so in a really good exercise that I find helpful that I've, I've done with my teams before is to look at, you know, strengths. What are your top five? Um, passions. Again, what are your top five? And then look at um, values. And what are your top five? And to spend a lot of time on the values piece. And then I start to ask the questions like, how do you know that these are your values? 
Another great question to ask is when was the last time you stood up for one of your values? Um, how do you know when your values are in conflict and what do you do? And what do you do when others don't share your values? And that can start some really great team conversations. And it, it not only brings you closer, but it also really helps to understand each other and why sometimes we do the things that we do. I, I, I love it. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank Sam, I can, I can go on and on and on with you. Like, I love this. <laughs> Thank you. So let's, let's, maybe, let's maybe try to wrap it up, even though like this is probably the record, uh, you know, the longest show so far. <laughs> so thank everyone who's joined us so far. Sam, where could people find you? Look, people are so you know, curious to, to, to hear more about you. Maybe somebody watching is like, hey, we need Sam to come and to help us to set our values in the company. Where could people that. find you? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Samantha Yarwood, Y-A-R-W-O-O-D. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is what, whatever underscore Lola wants. Um, long story, but when Instagram first came out, I was like one of the first people on there and nobody knew what it was going to be. And my friend was just like, yeah, you got to sign up for this. And I'm like, you're in marketing? I'm like, okay, sure. Um, and it was just a fun experiment. Um, but also that was the first song that I ever sang in a public performance. So okay, that's, that's, that's for the second part. For the second part. <laughs> Perfect. But thank you, everyone. And, and, uh, and finally, finally, something else you added. Oh, like you. Yeah, and just, um, so one of the things that I've been noticing in social media since this whole COVID thing started, um, there's a lot of different types of memes around drinking and using um, alcohol to kind of suppress our feelings or make things better. By the way, I'm the first one to admit that I love to have a glass of wine, if not five. Um, but addiction is a huge issue that's facing society. And like 20% of the population suffers from addiction, yet only 10% get, get help. And just by the way, 20% is 700 million people. And if you start to look at that, only 10% get help, and then only 30% actually recover, it's a problem. And I think there's, like I mentioned before, spectrums. There's spectrums of, you know, substance use from like light to medium to heavy and whether it's a problem, not a problem, it's very complex. Um, but me and a few people are on this plan and path to end addiction and to help um, change the perspective of addiction, but also to get people who want help the help that they need. Um, so we're in the process of launching a survey that's easy to identify your usage. And then we're also developing eight basic plans um, to help people to get to live the life that they want to live. Um, early stages, but feel free to check out our website. And if you want to join the cause, we always need people to help us and ideas. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, and by the way, those of you who are watching, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you guys for listening. And if you're looking for somebody to help you step up your team performers and boost your productivity, make sure to check out stoyanyankov.com for online workshop solutions and programs designed to help you go through the current situation in a smoother manner. Stay safe and keep moving forward.